Welcome to Overlake Christian Church. We are so excited that you're here today. In a few minutes, we will join together in worship and then hear a message from one of our pastors on our current teaching series. Altogether, we will be here for just over an hour. One of our sayings around here is that connection is everything. We would love for you to connect with those around you here in the service and out in the hallway after the service today. If it's your first time with us today, welcome. We are so glad you're here. If you have any questions or need any information, then please swing by one of our info desks in the main hallway after service. There you will find friendly people and a delicious gift waiting for you. there are many opportunities to serve. If you need more information about any of the various ministries from Kidtown Children's Ministries to behind the scenes on a Sunday morning, then note that on your connection card in your handout and we will make sure to get you all the info you need. for being here today. We believe church isn't a building to gather on Sunday, but that is a family where we can come together both here in our building and out in the community. We hope that you have a great time at the service this morning. Good morning, Overlake. My name is Jessica. I'm the worship pastor here. Would you please stand and worship with us today? We're going to make a joyful noise to Jesus. Y'all ready for that? Crown through Christ my 
Over. 
Jesus, what we want to do is we just want to say thank you. That the vision that I had as we were singing is just your love washing over us, your love rolling over us, your love as an ocean just covering all of us. And, and we are so thankful. Lord, we, we want you to be everything we seek. We, we want to come and surrender all of ourselves to you. And so we just ask, continue to do your work in our hearts, Lord. We love you. And we come to you now. We want to hear from you. We want to be stirred and continued to walk in this road of worshiping you. We love you, Jesus. We pray it all in your name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Well, God bless you. Go ahead and grab a seat. It is wonderful to be with you today. Uh, as you're grabbing a seat, you might want to grab your notes out of your handout. And uh, you'll see we're starting a, a new series. And before we just really jump in, I, I would love to just kind of lovingly point out that I am, um, whoa, and the lights, the, let there be lights, let there be, thank you, all right, yeah, that's great. Um, I just wanted to point out, I'm wearing short sleeves today. Did anyone notice the sunshine coming out? Does the sunshine just change you like it changes me? Yeah, exactly. No, it's crazy. Later on today, I, 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 might, I might be here. I might clear some snow from my front yard and just lay out and, re, and get, get a little sun. It's beautiful. Come, summer, come. So uh, here's what I want to do. We're, we're, we're talking about this thing called teamwork. And so I just want to start with the words of Jesus. So let's just, there should be at the top of your notes, Luke 22, 27. Jesus says, yet I am among you as one who serves. It's so interesting, this posture that our Lord and Savior, the, the, the Lord of the universe, comes among us as one who serves. It's such an interesting dynamic. So let's just let that float. Let's let that kind of hover as the umbrella verse for what we're going to be talking about. And I want to begin with an analogy because this series is on teamwork. So let's think about team for a moment. There are all kinds of lessons that can be learned from team sports, right? There's all kinds of, of things that we can get, lessons and character building kind of things like you, you're working together and, and you're relying on your teammates and, and you're giving your all, they're giving their all, everybody's putting in so that the victory is actually a greater victory than we could accomplish on our own. So there's all kinds of things you can learn from team. And so I want you to think right now your favorite team sport. I know we don't all play sports, but maybe think of your favorite team sport. It could be hockey. It could be curling. It could be, you know, uh, cricket. It could, it, it, any of your favorite sports. For me growing up, you might know this, it was football. So football was foundational for me. So the story I want to start with is a personal story from my senior year at Mission Viejo High School. Senior year, fall, on the football team, and our scrappy, undersized football team is finding itself undefeated as we roll through the season. So it comes down to the last game of the season, and this is for the championship. It's for the league championship, and we have to play for, this, for the championship game. We have to play our arch rivals, our nemesis. We have to play Capo Valley High School. Urgh, right? Like, feel free to hiss or growl, like, uh, Capo. Uh. Here's the deal. I know God loves Capo. 
but he might be the only one. So, so we're going to play Capo. Now, Capo, they were also undefeated, and they had a celebrity quarterback. And some of you who know football might know the name Todd Marinovich was their quarterback. Todd Marinovich, he ended up going full ride to USC. Then he got drafted to the Raiders his sophomore year. Uh, ESPN did a 30, uh, 30 by 30 special on Todd Marinovich. So, so this guy's a big deal. And before we play him, right, before our game, he's right on the cusp of passing the all-time high school passing record. So this quarterback is literally about to go into the stratosphere, uh, breaking the high school passing record. And so all of this talk is around him. Well, the reporters actually show up to my high school during the week, and they interview me and my other defensive backs, uh, asking us how we feel about playing this quarterback and what we thought our, our chances were. We actually have a picture of that article. And so, you, you know, this article comes out. By the way, if you look at that, I'm number 40, and that is my tough face, just so you know. <laughs> And so the, this article comes out in the LA Times and everybody's hyping this thing as the game of the year. And so Friday night lights roll around and it's a crisp, clear fall night and 12,000 people show up in the stands or reporters are on the sideline. It's a perfect night for gridiron glory. Can you feel it? Are you there? After the game is over, the reporters go off to write their stories. Todd Marinovich did, in fact, break the record that night. They write the story that the Mission Viejo high school defense rose to the occasion. They, you could imagine all of the students loudly gathering in cars and driving off to the various pursuits. You could imagine the parents whose eyes are shining brightly with pride and excitement as to the way their sons gave it all in the field. But listen, I'll never, ever forget that night as my team gathered onto the bus to take us back to our campus and and every one of us, sweaty and smelly, every one of us bruised and bloodied. We, we were taped and bandaged. We had left it all on the field, and we were gloriously joyful as we celebrated that victory that night. And we passed around this South Coast League trophy from person to person. I remember holding it above my head, right, in victory. I think, I think we have a picture of that. Um, you know, like <laughs> singing, we are the champions. And it just was such a, a fun, fun night. And then listen, the next day, the mailman, instead of dropping the mail at the mailbox, he comes to the door because he wants to say, hey, that was a great game last night. This is a victory for our community. <laughs> Do you just feel it, right? It's just so fun. And here's the thing I want you to see, that, that victory wasn't about a person because Capo had the person. No, no, victory is about a team. And it's about the team that comes together and the team that gives it all together. It's about the team that learns how to rely on another person, on the rest of the team, because you yourself are capable of being relied upon. And there's so much beauty when it comes to a team giving it all, because then, friends, the victory is far more that could happen when just you are on the line. It's a team victory, and so it's much more comprehensive. Are you with me? And so, friends, this is 
what I want you to hear me say clearly. That's why Jesus wants you on the team. This is why Jesus wants you on the team, not on the sidelines. He wants you on the team. He wants you on the field, not in the stands, not as a spectator. Jesus wants us on the team. So I want you to consider this statement for a moment. You might want to write it down. It's this, that the legacy of this church won't be determined by how many of you show up here, but by how many of you show up in someone's life. The legacy is not built by how many show up here. It's built by how many show up in someone else's life. And that's what we'll be talking about today. You know, the first feeling is this. Most of us are here because somebody showed up for us. I want you to think about your life. Most of us are where we are in life and in, and in our faith journey because somebody showed up and invested in us. This week on Facebook, I just asked that question. Who is it that influenced your life? Who is it that saw your potential and, and called it out? And, and on my Facebook wall this week, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of names that were brought to people's minds as they thought about who were the people who were influential? Who were the people who spoke life into them, who saw some skill or some talent, who saw potential and just called it, coaxed it out of you? And, and those stories are, you know, are told again and again, and it's a beautiful thing. In my life, uh, one of the guys that spoke life and direction into me was a man named Sonny Salisbury. He was my boss, and he just was this beautiful follower of Jesus, and he just saw something in me, so he started calling it out. I had a, my best buddy in, uh, in my freshman year at Pepperdine University was Christopher, and Christopher was a Jesus follower, and so there was that, those late-night conversations and that influence that he had in my life. One of the guys that was a mentor for me early in my ministry days is a man named Doug Fields. And Doug Fields was able to see some things in me and to, to see some gifts and, and, and called it out. It really gave me opportunity to continue to discover those things. And, and in fact, I want you to know that Doug is coming up here in about a week and he's going to be doing a Wednesday night uh, deal on parenting and then he's going to be doing a Thursday night deal on marriage, how to, how to have you know, great uh, flourishing in both of these contexts. And I would love to invite you into either or both of those settings, whichever one fits you the, the most, because this is a man who knows how to give direction and encouragement and mentorship and certainly he has been that in my life. Let me give you the biblical example of this point. The biblical example is Barnabas. You might want to write that down and look it up later. Barnabas, because Barnabas, you might recall, the, the Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, he was the terrorizer of the Christian community. This was a man who hunted down Christians. He wanted to kill Christians, those who were following Jesus. And then Jesus met him on the road and totally reversed and changed his life. But none of the other Christian leaders wanted anything to do with this guy because they were all afraid of him. And, and then Barnabas shows up. And Barnabas, by the way, his nickname is Son of Encouragement. He knew how to encourage. And so he just showed up and he encouraged and he blessed Paul and he, and he helped coach and guide and mentor him. And friends, if, if it wasn't for Barnabas, who knows? But, but I would say that we have most of the New Testament today because of Barnabas' role of speaking life and leadership into Paul's life. So this is a powerful, powerful thing. That brings us to the next fill-in. Your best chance to have influence in someone else's life is to actually show up. It's to actually show up. And you might want to write next to that fill-in, in person. In person. <laughs> I have to point it out because, um, let me be clear, in our social media culture that we live in, liking something is not showing up. 
It's just not. Like, you have to understand that when we talk about showing up, we're talking about showing up in person, and not just once, but showing up and consistently showing up. And I know this is difficult because we live in a world where we want instant uh, results. We, we, we want to make sure that if we have an investment to make, we want to see instantly what happens. And in ministry, it just doesn't happen like that. For those of you who are serving in Kidtown ministry and you're working with younger kids, or maybe for you parents who have younger children, right? You have preschoolers or you have toddlers. Here's what never happens. You know, a, a toddler never thanks you for your investment in their life. Right? A, a toddler never says, you know, I noticed that you are always here as my Sunday school teacher, and I just want to say thank you. You are so essential for my spiritual formation. <laughs> a toddler, you know, it, it, it never says, Mom, Dad, thank you for always changing my diapers when they're dirty. You clean me inside and out. It'll never happen, right? That's just not the nature of the thing. Middle schoolers, for those of you who invest in middle school through our student ministries or, or for those of you parents who have middle schoolers, you know that a middle schooler, they, they just never even think about thanking you for your investment in their life. It's something that does not exist in our universe as we know it today, right? A middle schooler will never say, you know, thank you for your coaching, for what you said today. I know I will be a better husband someday because of your words in my life. It just won't happen. So we recognize that. But I, I want to tell you, we just keep showing up. We show up in person. We keep showing up consistently. Please understand this, that every ministry at Overlake is a ministry of people. Do you see, ministry is personal. So today, just think about your experience today. If you came in and you grabbed a cup of coffee today, you did that because somebody showed up to serve. If you checked your kids into Kidtown today, that happened because people showed up to serve you, right? They, they wanted you to have an experience where you could just be wrestling with and worship and, and have this time spiritually with the Lord. And then they wanted to serve your children as well. They showed up and they consistently do so. If you can hear me right now, or you can see me right now, or you're watching online right now, you need to know that the reason why that can happen is because people show up behind the scenes, and they show up behind the camera, and they show up behind the tech in order to make sure that all of this is able to happen. And if you were able to worship today, or if you're going to receive prayer today, or if you had a middle school or a high school check themselves into student ministries today, all of these are possible because actual people actually show up in order to serve, right? And, and that's what happens. That's how we seek to influence. The next fill-in is this. When you show up for someone, it will change you more than them. It'll change you more than them. This is such a key component of our own spiritual formation. And so I do know this, and I've had several conversations over the last 28 years or so with people who somehow, they feel stuck in their faith. And so they ask themselves questions like, why don't I feel more motivated spiritually? How come it is that I feel like I might be on a spiritual plateau right now? And so often the reason why they feel stuck or why they don't feel motivated is because they're not serving. In fact, I want you to understand that, that if, if you've been a part of Overlake for about two years and you're not serving right now, then I have to let you know, I don't know how to help you grow anymore. Because there are lessons that you can only learn through showing up and serving. 
You see, friends, if we don't show up and if we don't serve, then what happens is church gets reduced down to a really low common denominator, a, a, sort of a mere form of spiritual entertainment. And, and, then, and then you can sort of think that your role is that of a critic as opposed to that of an active participant. You see, you need to understand, we don't come to church, we are the church. Right? And this is the lifeblood of what it looks like to grow. In fact, we have this spiritual formation pathway, and I know I've showed this to you before, but this formation pathway just shows that we start with these islands, like rooted is, a, is an experience we go through, and transformed is an experience we go through, and called is an experience we go through. But notice that the river which takes us through the whole thing is the river of connection and generosity and serving. This is how it happens. It's a team. And we all come together to work together as a team. One of the things that we are truly leaning into is a Sunday morning rhythm in which we come to worship on a Sunday morning in one service and then we come to serve in the other service. And that's actually why we build our rooted and our transformed experiences the way we do so that the paradigm gets set for, for coming to worship a service and then using that second service as an opportunity to serve, right? And, and so this is how we find change in our own spiritual growth happening. The next fill-in is this. We, when you show up for someone, it will change your view of influence. It'll change your view of influence. And here's what I mean. Sometimes we fall prey to the temptation to think that the way we need to have influence over someone is to have power over someone. The way we need to influence someone is to have authority over someone. And typically the people who think this are the people who aren't in positions of leadership because it's easy to like look at somebody in a position of leadership and say, well, if I had that position, then I could have influence. Let me tell you how you have influence. You have influence when you have earned someone's trust. And when you have earned someone's trust, then you have influence in their life. How do you earn someone's trust? You show up and you keep showing up. And this is how trust is built and this is how influence happens. Influence is earned over a consistent experience, right? When you show up for someone, it will also change how you care. It will change how you care. By showing up for someone, this is how we develop the, the muscles of care and compassion and empathy within ourselves. See, this is how Jesus uses experiences in our life to make us more like him when we start showing up for serving other people. So I want you to look at this passage from Philippians 2. We'll start in verse 3 and keep reading. It says, In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own influence or interests, but to each of the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Amen. So I look at that passage for a second and then ponder this, that Jesus knew he had all the power of the Father. He had all the authority of the Father. He, he, he knew that there was equality with the Father and yet never once did he consider that something to be used for his own advantage. In fact, I want you to think about the purpose for which Christ came. 
Right? Jesus came to this earth and, and he fulfilled his ministry and, and he was crucified and buried and resurrected. And I, I want you to see who is it that received the advantage from his service? We were the ones who received the advantage of his service. What he did benefited him nothing at all. It benefited us entirely. And so just understand that that is what Jesus is going after. And that's why when we take a passage like this and begin to put it into practice, we are becoming like him. You see, something happens when you begin to show up, when you join the mission, when you get on the field and in the game, you develop empathy and you grow in compassion. Here's a definition of empathy, and you might be interested in writing this down. Empathy is the ability to press pause on your own thoughts and feelings long enough to explore someone else's thoughts and feelings. Just press pause on your own immediate reactions, your own thoughts, your own feelings. Just hit pause button and just consider the thoughts and feelings and the experience of the other person. So what do you do when you hit pause? Well, the first thing is you can hit pause to imagine. You know, we're the only species on the planet that has the ability to imagine what life might be like in someone else's shoes. We're the only, we're only ones. We can, we really can, just by sort of an exercise of our own mental capacity, we have the ability to project ourselves into walking a mile in someone else's life. We have the ability to do that. I remember once when I, early days of ministry, and I was leading a student mission trip, and so I had a van just packed full of students. We were just heading out of town, and even before we got out of town, just right in the middle of, of, of heading out, we just hit horrible traffic, and there was like either construction or some kind of an accident that had happened, and so there was a police officer that was designated right in the middle of the intersection trying to negotiate what was just chaos, and and it was just, everyone's frustrated. All of the drivers around who were snarled in traffic were frustrated. And you could just see that this officer was frustrated. And, and you know, it was a hot day. And so there was just like everybody, it just, you could just tell that there was like anxiety and frustration and anger. And so this police officer, he's waving and he's whistling and he's every once in a while yelling. And, you know, you could just see he was not having a, a great day. And, and so as we're there in the van, I heard a voice from like, you know, not, not in the back seat, but the way back seat, uh, looking at this police officer and said, man, what a jerk. And it was kind of quiet like this. And so I said, you know, I know that cop. I said, his wife passed away three years ago from cancer. And he has a 19-year-old son who wrestles with depression. And after his mom passed, he ran away from home. He doesn't want to talk to his dad anymore. And so I said, that guy started drinking heavily, and, and he almost lost his job. And they figured, hey, we got to help this guy. So they actually took him, and they put him on the street just as a way to make sure he could continue to support himself. And everybody just got super quiet. And I said, uh, actually, I don't know anything about this guy. But I said, that all could be true. I go, the, the point is, you don't know. You don't know what that guy's going through. You don't know his experience. You don't know the source of his frustration or pain or anger. I said, so it's so much easier for us to, to pretend that nobody else is going through anything except for us, right? That nobody else is struggling with anything. Nobody else has challenges or trials. Just us. We're the ones, right? And, and, and I want you to understand, this is how we become like Christ, when we actually hit the pause button and we imagine what it might be like 
to be this other person, what it might be like to walk this road, what it might be like to to be in their shoes. Because when we can do that, then empathy begins to build. And not only do we pause to imagine, but the, the second thing we pause to do is interact, right? And this is where we begin to ask questions. We begin to draw out stories. I think question asking is a lost art in our world today. And so I just want to challenge you, ask good questions, not to grill another person, but to discover them to know them, to see what it is that's going on in their life. Because again, this is a huge tool for developing empathy. It's becoming like Jesus. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So we have a high priest who is able to empathize with our weakness. Because Jesus has, he willingly made himself nothing in order to walk a road so that he could identify with us. So he understands what it's like to be tempted. He understands what it's like to face trials. He understands what it's like to be betrayed or abandoned. He understands what it's like to be falsely accused, to have injustice against you. Jesus understands all these things and he went through them in order to develop empathy for you and for me. And so I want you to know that when you throw open the door to to loving Jesus and receiving his empathy, you also throw open the door to having empathy for others. When you open the door to loving Jesus, you open the door to loving those people that he loves as well. Look at this verse. He said in uh, Ephesians 2, the apostle Paul's writing, he said, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things that we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Let me just pause right there, and when you look at that, you see, look, we, we don't earn salvation. We receive it as a gift. It's a gift offered to us by God through his grace. It's because of the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. And so the Apostle Paul is really, really clear. None of us can boast. Amen? Amen. The, the, the level or the, the playing field before the cross is just level. Right? We are all here because of grace, and I'm so glad about that. But Paul doesn't end his thought right there. There is a so that. There is a for something else that follows. He says this, for we are God's masterpiece. And you just might want to circle that phrase. We're God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So he has good things planned for us. He has good deeds planned for us. He has good works planned for us because you're his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. I read a story this week. It happened in 1989. And a guy was driving through rural Pennsylvania. And he stopped at a garage sale. And he ended up picking up a painting. He didn't like the painting. And it had a torn canvas. But he loved the frame. So he thought, oh, I, I want this. So he, so he paid $4 for this painting. And he took it home. And then when he started to take the, you know, the, the ripped canvas out of the painting, the frame fell apart. So he actually didn't even get the frame for the 4 bucks. So he's a little sad about it. But from behind the painting, a, a folded piece of paper falls out. And so he opens it up, and it looks to him like an old Declaration of Independence. And so he has it appraised. It turns out that it is one of 24 surviving copies of the first printing of the Declaration of Independence. And it sells at auction for $2.4 million. 
Now that's a masterpiece, right? That's a beautiful masterpiece, but it's hidden away behind, you know, this other painting. It, it, it's tucked away and, and it's forgotten. And I want to be really, really clear. You are God's masterpiece. That's what the Bible says. Do not hide yourself away. Do not tuck yourself away. Do not be hidden behind. Like this is an opportunity. This is why you and I, we are called by the Lord to get in the game. We're called by, by Jesus to be on the team. This is what it is all about because you're a masterpiece. And you can't afford, the kingdom can't afford you to hide. Amen? All right. You're with me so far. I'm going to invite my friend Cameron to come. Cameron, please come on up, Cameron. And, and uh, he is uh, one of my friends. He's one of the, the servant hearts here at Overlake Christian Church. Would you please welcome him as he comes to share this today? Thanks, Mike. Hey, thanks, bud. So just a, a couple of questions today. How is it that you decided to show up and, and get involved in serving? Uh, there were three things that brought me to it. Uh, the first was we were in a series like this, just talking about service and the importance of it. Uh, so yeah. you and the team planted the seed there uh, for me and asked to show up. Okay. Uh, the second was I just did some reflection, uh, and we were at kind of two years coming to the church, just like you said earlier. Okay. And my family was uh, taking, you know, receiving several blessings from OCC. We were coming here. Uh, on Sundays, my kids were in fourth grade, so they were at the gym, uh, uh, loving that, uh, not just on Sundays, but also things like late night, uh, which are great programs. And uh, my, mo my mother had just passed away, and we actually took advantage of one of the care programs here, Grief Share, uh, which is just a wonderful way to kind of get you through that, that grieving process. So my dad and I took that. So we were on the receiving end of so many blessings. Um, and then this one may resonate with you. I, I think that, you know, behind a good man is a great wife. And uh, my wife, Arlene, kind of challenged me and told me, you know, you got to go show up. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I, I absolutely love that, Arlene. So God bless you. I, I like when, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the message is um, God loves you and I have a beautiful plan for your life. And uh, so thank you for passing that on. Um, t what happened when you began to get involved? What, tell me what God did as you started to show up. So as I started to show up, it was amazing. Um, the, the blessings just immediately started overflowing. I think what you give in to service, you get out tenfold. Um, I remember like uh, my second week of serving, and I, I started serving in Kidtown, um, and I was kind of nervous, like, am I going to know the right things to say? How am I going to mentor these kids? Do I have what it takes? Uh, and I'm, I'm just a big kid at heart. I had been playing in the gym, soccer, basketball, all these things. And uh, after service, um, this little third grader uh, came kind of running over to me with his mom with the biggest smile on his face. And uh, he had told his mom that he had a new best friend and he wanted a play date. Um, little did I know that I was that best friend. Yeah, um, that's right. And uh, his mother and I decided the best thing would be to just continue to meet on Sundays um, yeah, and yeah. not do a play date outside of that. But, yeah. you know, that was just the first in many blessings. And it kind of got me started on my journey. Um, and I uh, spent two years in Kidtown in the gym 
And then as my kids uh, moved up to middle school, I kind of followed them up. And now I'm one of the leaders in my second year. So I'm leading the seventh grade boys on Wednesday night at uh, Group Life. Um, yeah, so that kind of started my journey. And then uh, I would be, uh, I also should mention that my wife and I are also involved as parish pastors in uh, Bridal Trails neighborhood serving kind of Kirkland and Bellevue. That's awesome. Well, Cameron, how, how would you encourage us? Like, how is it that we need to show up? So I would just say that um, I really do believe that each and every one of us is called to service. Um, God has a plan for you. He gave us all a unique gift that he wants us to share. Um, and the great thing about OCC is this, uh, we really have a heart for service here. There are so many different opportunities. Um, and what I would say is just let me be your Arlene. Let me uh, give you that nudge to just give it a try. And um, like, what's the worst that can happen? Maybe you'll have to turn down a play date or two. Okay. All right. Hey, can we thank Cameron for sharing with us today? Thank you, buddy. Thanks. I want to ask a question rhetorically, but I'd love for it to linger and, and even go with you this week. And, and the question is, how does the world know what Jesus is like? How does the community understand what the heart of Jesus is like? I'd suggest to you that out of 100 people, one might read the scriptures. And 99 will read the Christian. One out of 100 might pick up the Bible and read about what Jesus is like, but 99 will read the Jesus follower. And they will look at your life. They will read you and the things that you prioritize and the things you put your hand to and the things that you lend your heart to. And they'll make a decision about what Jesus is like by reading you. And so I want to encourage you in this. I want to encourage you to, to listen to Jesus in this and to follow his example in this and, and honestly to, to come under his teaching because this is what he says in his own words. He says, you know, the rulers in this world lord it over their people. The officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but among you, it'll be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must Become your slave, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he did give his life as a ransom for many, but he also lived a life of service. I mean, this is our Lord who healed people. This is our Lord who listened to people. This is our Lord who washed feet. And that's the model that he sets for us. And so I want to encourage you to, to really take a step forward in faith and, and to uh, find a ministry that you can show up to. Obviously, we've, we've talked over the last month or so about how, as a church family, Kidtown is our most pressing need. And I do just want to be really clear with you. That's where I would serve. That's where I would jump in if I was not otherwise engaged on Sunday mornings. I, I would. And, and, and I have, actually. And I'll tell you exactly where I'd serve. I'd serve among the twos and threes. And the reason why I would do this, I'll just be super clear, it's because that is where the cute parade takes place. Those are literally classrooms of adorable. And I have three teenagers in my home. And let me tell you, adorable is a decade ago. They have graduated to full snark, okay? 
And, uh, and, and so what happens when you show up with twos and three-year-olds? They just love you, and they just want to play with you, and they just want to talk with you and tell you stories. And they listen to you. And check this. They believe what you tell them. And then most importantly, which this doesn't happen at all in my world anymore, you know, not in my home, but they think you're cool, which is just so crazy. So, so listen, there's all kinds of ways. My prayer is that you would just listen to whatever it is that God is stirring in your heart, that you would show up and that you would get in whatever the, the game is, whatever the role is, whatever the position is that you feel like the Holy Spirit's prompting you. There's an incredible variety in the kingdom of God. We're not all wired the same. But friends, I will tell you, Jesus is calling us all to get on the field, okay? Now, here's the invitation, and this is where I'll wrap this thing up. Uh, maybe for you, you decide, when you look at your life, you say, you know what, I know this person showed up for me. So I'm going to show up for someone else because that person showed up for me, made a difference. I want to be like that in someone else's life. So maybe that's you. Maybe for you, you're, you're a parent. And so maybe your, your thing is you hope that somebody shows up on behalf of your son or daughter. So maybe that's the invitation for you is that you show up for someone else's son or daughter the way you pray that somebody shows up for your son or daughter. Okay. Maybe for you, the story's a little bit different. Maybe nobody showed up for you. Maybe you feel like there was absolutely a vacuum, there was a void, there was an absence, and nobody showed up for you. Nobody saw your potential. Nobody coached you, guided you, mentored you, cared for you. And so there were wasted years, and there were mistakes you made, and there was pain along the way. And so maybe for you, you decide, you know what, I'm actually going to show up for someone else the way I wish somebody showed up for me. Because I don't want them to experience the same kind of pain, the same kind of wasted time that I experienced. So maybe for you, that's the invitation. Or if I could just take it all the way down to the very base level, this is foundation of our theology. Maybe you just decide, you know what, I'm going to show up for someone else because Jesus showed up for me. Because Jesus left the throne room of heaven to come down to earth in order to save me. I'm going to show up for someone else. Amen? Amen? All right, why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to remember that it's not about how many people show up here, but it's about how we show up in someone else's life. And would you continue to do your good work in our hearts? Would you continue to stir us that you would motivate us. Holy Spirit, we do ask that you would just open a pathway clearly for the next steps that we might take in order to follow through on this challenge that you have called us and commissioned us to be a part of the team. And the team needs to work together. And there are great victories that happen in the kingdom of God because your church functions well as a team. So Lord Jesus, I, I just pray for every person in this room. I pray for every person listening online right now. Each person, Lord Jesus, would you show them how essential they are? Would you show them what a masterpiece they are in the kingdom of God? Would you show them how important the good work is that you have prepared for them in advance to do? And then would you give us all the courage to be obedient to you as you lead us? We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mike. What a great challenge for us all today. We have, yeah, let's clap for that. That's great. Let's.
we belong together as a family. It's a great thing to celebrate every week. And we have an opportunity to respond right now, not just with our heart, but with an action step of marking on a card in an area that maybe you want to explore to serve in. And we want to invite you to do that today. Let's respond to what God is stirring in our hearts. If you are new here to Overlake, I want to say thank you. Thanks for checking us out. And I hope that you will see and notice literally the hundreds of people that are part of making a welcoming environment on Sunday morning. We are connected and belong to each other. And hopefully you feel welcomed and accepted in that. I want to point your attention to the card that's in your handout. Feel free to fill out as much information as you feel comfortable with. But instead of sticking in the bucket as everybody else is going to do, um, take it with you right outside the doors here. You'll see the connection centers. There'll be some people to meet with you, and they have a gift to give you when you hand in the card. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward and give us an opportunity to continue worshiping and our giving of our gifts, our tithes, our offerings, and in our response.
stick around and dance with Jessica. I do. So great to be together this morning. And as always, we just want to remind you, if today is a day that you need someone to pray with you, to listen to you, if you've made a spiritual decision, there's incredible people up here on the second floor. Go right out, and they'll be there to greet you and pray with you. You'll also notice as you head out, there's a handful of tables out in the hallway with some great people standing, waiting to chat with you about opportunities for connecting here on Sunday mornings and serving and belonging to a group of people that help make this place happen on Sunday mornings. Yeah, praise God for that. And I want to end our time with just saying a word of blessing over all of us. So receive this word of blessing. May you be reminded of who you are. A beloved child of God, the Lord who wants to lavish you with love and freedom in your life. And may you be reminded this week how you are to show up in this church and in this community, serving God's purposes in the lives of others. You are God's beautiful creation designed to share life and love with others in your world. Amen. May be blessed this week. We look forward to seeing you next week. Have a good one. All right.